You're listening to Integration Redesigned, the podcast that unpacks ideas, trends, and topics that directly impact developers and tech professionals. Join us as we learn from experts who are innovating and developing emerging tech with the world's leading brands. Hello, and welcome back to Integration Redesigned. I'm your host, Kate Port, and in this episode, we're thinking about 2024 and what the upcoming year is going to bring. Today, I have a full house of amazing people. Rodrigo, our co-founder and CEO, Peter, Digibee's co-founder and CTO, and Matt, our head of strategy. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks, Thanks for Kate. It's always a pleasure to be here. Always happy to happy to have you here. We wouldn't be here, as I say, without all of you. Well, I don't know about you, but I woke up this morning and thought, I can't believe 2024 is just a few days away. Uh, the year flew by for me as I looked back and thought about, gosh, revisiting what we talked about last year this time, what we were predicting. Uh, did any of those come to fruition, right? Um, but today we're here to talk about what you all think about the coming year. And I think there's three areas that we'll focus on. Spending, productivity, and surprisingly, AI. And I'm really curious where you all think these are going to go uh, in the coming year. So, Rodrigo, I'm going to start with you. Budget season, we know that. We're doing it here at DigiB, and it's underway. Uh, no surprise that the first area that we're going to focus on is spending in 2024. In October, Gartner released an IT spending forecast for 2024, and we'll link that in the bio. And in this report, Gartner forecasts that there would be an 8% growth in worldwide IT spending in the coming year. I think this is really important to reference because it's a significant increase over the growth that was predicted and happened in 2022 and 2023. In 2022, we saw 2.9% growth. And in 2023, we saw 3.5%. So we're forecasting more than double that growth next year. Rodrigo, Based on who you've talked to, what you're seeing, how do you predict IT leaders are going to navigate this increase and where are they going to be spending? Yeah, it's great to get out of this, you know, economic downturn that we've been through and all that situation with the pandemic and so on. So uh, I'm confident and excited about 2024 being a great year uh, for business execution, you know. Well, from my perspective, IT and development teams need a foundation architecture to adapt to change, you know. So every organization has tools, whether SaaS-based or traditional software, every organization we speak with identifies the need to be prepared for change. Either the React we all had during the pandemic or the proactive planning to capture AI's potential or gen AI's potential, you know, scalability and agility are crucial. So here's my 2024 prediction. So as spending continues to grow, pressure will mount on technology leaders to prove their investments are delivering both improved operational efficiency and measurable gains in innovation. So it will not be only about spending. It will about being smart spending. You will have to rely on operational efficiency 
and making sure that what you are spending is getting back to the business in terms of innovation. From my days in product, this was one of the more difficult and challenging things to prove. And Peter and I have this conversation often because I can appreciate uh, the driving force of the business saying, hey, how are you going to prove that that what you're spending is having an impact? And uh, what Peter's team has really done, at least in our organization, is tie all of the activities that we're doing on the product side back to how that influences our revenue and what we're generating for the business, whether in terms of efficiency gains with our Uh, customers seeing an impact on their time to value or directly saying, hey, this is a feature that we can now charge for or a product that we can now add on to our contract. So I love that, Rodrigo. I think it's going to be it's going to have a huge impact and it should be the way that we're all thinking. Uh, Peter, I'm going to tap you next uh, for this one. Talent hiring. We've talked about this, I think, more than a dozen times on this podcast alone layoffs, grim economic forecast last couple of years. Uh, We've certainly seen colleagues and friends impacted by this throughout the industry. Um, We were talking about the need to do more with less. I think every year that comes up, but particularly in this economic situation, we're thinking about it. Uh, We talk about automation, what should and can be automated, and how you can really evolve your skills to remain marketable as an individual. And it's all still true. But what's your take on how talent is going to evolve over next year in terms of both hiring and then maintaining the talent that we've got? Perfect, Kate. Excellent uh, topic too, right? And it's unbelievable. I mean, it's always at the core of our discussions and it should be, right? Uh, So um, let let me put it this way, right? And and our research is showing that. we can see this in, in, in two separate uh, dimensions. Let's, let's put it that way, or separate trends, if you will, right? One you mentioned is automation, right? And, and all, all, all the idea of um, due to the pressure that we are getting to empowering more teams to be able to deliver on, on, on the changes that organization need, right? That is a trend that is, 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 is increasing, that decentralization makes sense, right? You really want to... Uh, um, empower more teams to to actually do that and to be change promoters, but um, in opposition of centralizing, right? Which was the the, the past idea or the, the the old idea, right? You you think about something and you just throw it to IT and they, they deliver some months later, and that's not simply not the case anymore, right? So really, empower is a trend that we are we are seeing now. What are the implications of this, right? Uh, if if you think about the risks involved in, in this type of, uh, of initiative and the people that you need for that. So what are the security implications for these things? Do these people, are these people trained in, in understanding the security, data privacy, data protection implications when you apply such models, right? Um, another topic that I always think about, how about technical debt? Uh, if, 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 you, if you do not have that control anymore, and control means something, although it's not scalable, are you actually building on top of technical debt that, 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 that you're going to regret later on, right? So all this control uh, um, uh, discussion or, or the lack of control discussion that is happening is, is at the core of the automation uh, uh, trend. So this is here for sure. We just need to keep an eye there. 
and I'll get to the prediction, right? I'm just setting the stage. So the other side of the spectrum is, and Rodrigo mentioned that, right? Um, organizations need to transform at its, at, at, at its very core. The fabric of the organization needs to evolve. Make no mistake, although we are empowering more teams, IT is here, it, it, it's here to stay. It's just transforming, doing better, right? So the, in, in terms of talent, getting to this uh, specialized talent will become very, very hard. And the pressure, the productivity pressure on these people is only going to grow. So productivity is again at the core of these discussions. There is a very interesting uh, McKinsey article that just came out. Uh, they mentioned, yes, you can manage, uh, measure the software developer productivity. Just came out and it received a lot of backfire from the software development community. With big names, such, for example, as, as, as Kent Back, one of the agile signatories, right? Um, uh, saying that why that is a bad idea for, for you to do that way that they were proposing, right? So I, I also actually invite the listeners to our podcast here to go and, and read those articles. They are pretty insightful and come to it your own conclusions. But the, 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 the core of the discussion is the uh, effort and, 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 and output measurement versus the outcomes and impact. And you just mentioned that outcomes and impact are much more important and they're so hard to manage, to, to measure, right? Uh, and, the, and the community actually backfired because of that. So back to our discussion, talent, hiring, maintaining talent, right? Productivity for the sake of productivity seems to be a bad choice, right? Um, of course, it's being influenced by the economic pressure. And, and, and now we're thinking about all those things again, and we're trying to react to that, right? Uh, so in my opinion, we cannot just look at productivity like that. We need to give these developers, these uh, IT people, the experience they need, the tooling they need in order to be productive. Okay, so that my prediction now. My prediction is that IT leaders will continue to struggle to hire and maintain talent. That is not going to change. It will be very hard. The talent war is still there, will be there. And they need to focus in two main things on that, right? They will need to figure out this balance between federation empowering other teams and the control that they need to apply and the training that they need to give these people and the skills that these people need to acquire, right? And for the developer community itself, the core, the, the standard core IT functions, it's not only about productivity, but it's, it, it's about giving the right experience, the right developer experience, so the productivity gains are achieved. I think you've brought up some really interesting points, particularly on the developer productivity piece. And we're going to talk about AI in a second, but one thing I want to highlight here is we've talked about developer productivity my experience, our experience collectively at DigiB when talking with developers is there's so much more than just churning out features and functionality and code and testing. And, you know, there, there's, um, there, there's excitement behind it. There's thought behind it. There's, you know, real challenges that are being solved and, and problems that are being identified. And without, with the focus on productivity, you lose that finesse, that human element. And I think that's where 
all of the discussion is coming from is let's automate what we can and let's preserve the human experience of what we're working on. And you talked about that wonderfully. Um, but of course, again, holds a special place in my heart uh, around making sure that our developers are not just productive, but um, producing really valuable insights and guidance on where we go. So thanks for that, Peter. Um, another hot topic, like we said, AI, 77% of devices use some form of AI. Nine out of 10 organizations support AI for a competitive advantage. And another stat I read was that net-net, when you think about jobs lost due to AI productivity increases and jobs created as a result of additional AI, you're still looking at 12 million new jobs over the next three years as a result of incorporating generative AI and AI technologies. So Gen AI is really what's been at the core of all of these discussions. I'm curious where you see this evolving in 2024. Perfect. Perfect. And it's interesting. I was at KubeCon a couple of weeks ago, right? Um, and and there was this um, um, talk, and, and I can't remember exactly who, who the person was, but he, he was breaking ice, getting to the stage and starting it out, and that I'm not here to talk about Gen AI, and everybody laughed, right? So <laughs> it talks a lot about what's going on and, 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 and how this thing is top of mind for everyone, and it should be, right? I mean, it's transformative, it's uh, uh, everybody should be looking at that, right? Um, I think, I think. So, uh, what can we expect for 2024, and what is the general uh, uh, view that I have there, right? So, um, I think we, we we are starting to understand. So, people is a lot is, is experimenting, is 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 adopting, is is testing it out, and 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 things like questions have been arising around this, which are very important questions, right? So by using those things in, in my organization, what are the implications? What are the privacy and data protection implications there? If I'm using those tools, I'm, 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 am I actually uh, releasing my confidential information, my customer's confidential information to these tools? What are the guarantees I have there? We, we, we learn about so many different situations where unintended Data was exposed due, due, due to that. So, so, so that's that that's that's critical, right? Uh, ethical and trust, right? Can can we trust those things? Um, are you ready to uh, give your customers wrong information? Because that's what these tools can do, right? Sometimes, um, are they trained on on your own knowledge? Are these tools fine tuned to what you know to your private data? Right, so this is so important uh, discussions that we might have. Another one that I've been thinking a lot, especially here at EGP, what are the cost implications? Do you understand how that will factor in your product cost structure? You you you're getting this out to the market, and and it, 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 you hope it's being used. Now we need to pay credits for 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 the infrastructure folks on the other side uh, to to actually uh, 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 leverage those tools and. Does the math hold there? Do you know all this? Do we have benchmarks in the market for that? No, we don't, right? So this is another important implication. And most more recently, the excessive reliance on open AI 
and all the the board drama that we all saw and followed, right? Uh, so yes, they are they, they are at 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 the at, at the, the forefront. They are bringing a lot of innovation. But what can we expect? Can we expect them to be really backed by Microsoft or not? So all these discussions that we've been seeing and other providers catching up, like Amazon, Q, Google Bard, right? That that you need to to check on, right? So. I want to highlight one thing in this, which is what I think we're all feeling, right? We attended a number of conferences this year, Rodrigo, myself, we went to Dreamforce. That was a huge topic for Mark Benioff, um, everything going on at any anywhere in the industry, both from SaaS applications to technology in general. There are a lot more questions than answers, and it's fun and it's exciting. I think that we've all probably used AI. I know personally I used it to help me meal plan for the week, right? Hey, what groceries do I need? And, and uh, you know, tell me what meals I should prepare, right? So there's one thing that's, hey, this is helping out my life. But you've highlighted so many questions from a business perspective of, well, what about this? So where do you see it going in 2024? So and and let's get to my prediction, right? I I, it's funny, because I I I agree with you, and and there is another thing, right? Um, we've been obsessed by have we reached AGI or not? Are are we there yet? And although that is very interesting, I I, I get fascinated by those things. I don't think that is the core of the issue we should discuss. So regardless of we have achieved, we will achieve or or not, uh, and I hope we do, right? Uh, I think 2024 is, 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 is this year that we start to leave the experimentation side and we start to see real examples of Gen AI being applied for the enterprises, real enterprise use cases. What does it mean? Are you actually improving your efficiency is it not just hype? Are you actually doing meaningful things with the use cases that you're leveraging with Gen AI, right? Another topic, can you actually differentiate how many companies we saw being driven uh, um, 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 uh, irrelevant after uh, OpenAI released the GPTs, right? So you don't want that for your business. You actually want to build differentiation on top of the core language models, right? The large language models. So I also believe that organizations will start to realize that and focus on this differentiation side, things that are actually making the difference, that uh, 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 drive your secret sauce, if you will. I think it's super interesting to think about how Gen AI is going to impact enterprises and companies. And I'm glad that you brought that up. Um, I'm very much looking forward to our focus on AI. Um, DigiB has invested a ton of resources into Gen AI and where are we going and how can we make this to help our automate some of the processes that may have been. Uh, we released new features recently. So your team is doing amazing work, Peter. And I think that the fact that we're all thinking about this is really critical as we think about next year. And I'm sure that we'll be on the podcast in just a few short weeks talking about some of those things. Last but not least, Matt, I want to bring you into the conversation. So, Matt, we're we've seen the projections about where the growth in the integration market is going to be, not only where it has been, but what happens over the next several years. And 
since integration and iPaaS technology have been around for more than a decade, what do you see driving sustained and expanding growth? Traditionally, it's been cases like ERP migrations, cloud migrations, e-commerce, with a theme of things being big and complicated. But going forward, is it going to take over some adjacent or smaller use cases? Do you see that there's going to be a growing pool of resources who use technology versus citizen integrations? What are you seeing, Matt? That's a great question, Kate. And I think that many of the same dynamics that have driven the requirement for integration technologies over the years will continue to drive um, the requirements for integration technologies going forward. Not surprising, right? But I joke sometimes that the primary use case for integration technology has always been integrating SAP to something else, or sometimes SAP to SAP. And you know that's still a very, very common use case. And then you you mentioned you mentioned examples where that's kind of um, evolved into other major application um, platforms, whether they're um, CRM or, or e-commerce, you mentioned, things like that. Um, anytime an organization um, purchases and implements a major um, application suite, um, all those three-letter acronyms and others, there's a requirement for integration technology. And it's likely that the integration technology that's in place for those co- organizations is legacy. So that's the other thing that I think is going to continue to drive integration technologies is, uh, or the requirement for integration technologies is that overwhelmingly most of the integration technology that's deployed today is legacy. It was built for another era. And so I think the, the other thing that's going to drive or another thing that's going to continue to drive demand for integration is a requirement that organizations have to, um, uh, modernize their architectures and their portfolios. So very quick, you know, Kate, in fact, recently I was speaking to the CIO of a, of a major apparel manufacturer that, that you would be very familiar with, everybody would be very familiar with. And I was surprised when she told me that, that her company is still running SAP on AS400s. And what was surprising to me about that is that, I mean, that's probably at least a 15 or 20 year old implementation, but it's working for them. And so what she and I talked about a little bit was how modern integration technology could help her and her organization or her organization, excuse me, to ex- extract more value from that, from that very, very mature implementation. So I think that's another potential drivers I've been talking about. You asked about whether um, integration will continue to be focused on sort of the big problems. And I think one of the things that's been really interesting about our market over the past four, four years or so um, and one of the things that's made it very, very dynamic is actually the growth of use cases that are small um, and that are very, um, um, you know, focused on solving maybe one one issue, one problem. And um, and there's been a lot of of, of work um, in that area and a lot of, of demand for solutions that can that can effectively address those. So I think these are some of the things that are driving growth. Yes, cloud migrations will still continue to drive a ton of growth and those those big those big package application implementations for sure. Um, but but I'm really looking forward to working with companies to help them extract more value from from the the areas where they've been getting value for a long time. Really great perspective, Matt. Thanks for sharing. Another trend that we're seeing is from integration providers 
big, small emphasis is on low-code automation tools as a priority for new products and new functionality, particularly servicing the citizen integration developer. This strategy is to democratize the function of all of those integrations um, happening outside of IT. And Peter referenced this earlier, right? That control, that focus that we need to have. What do you think the implications are for developer teams, both for dedicated integration developers and more general developers? Do you get a sense that this group is being underserved? Yeah, that's a a good question, Kate. And it kind of builds on the question that that you answered previously or or the way I uh, finished my response to to your question. And so low-code tools are a great way to drive efficiency and to drive productivity. Um, And they have been used a lot to address those smaller use cases that I was talking about. Um, And they are being used to democratize, excuse me, as you said, um, uh, the use of, of integration technologies outside of IT organizations. From my perspective, what I think is really compelling about how low-code platforms uh, for integration have really evolved in a, in a very meaningful way is that it really started with a non-tech, non-technical user in mind. Um, that was really the first application of low-code, low-code technologies or low-code platforms for integration. Um, now we're seeing a more and more to address developers um, or to enable developers. And what's exciting about that is every organization should be able to substantially expand um, the pool of developers that they have addressing integrations. And so we know from our own research and from other research that we've seen that um, IT backlogs are consistently filled with integration requirements. So wouldn't it be great if IT organizations could amplify um, their ability to address those requirements by providing tooling that a broader set of developers can use in addition to the highly skilled um, and highly trained dedicated integration developers, but also all of your full stack developers and your front end developers, uh, your application developers across the spectrum. I think that's a really powerful uh, change and something that we're gonna see more and more of um, over the course of, of this year and going forward. I love that, Matt. Really great that you could share all of those perspectives. Thanks. Peter, Rodrigo, Matt, 2024, shaping up to be an interesting year. Hasn't even started. Can't believe that it's right around the corner, like I said. Will's to your links to all of the references that we had today in the bio of the podcast. Feel free to take a look at those. Thank you all for joining. I look forward to hosting you again. And to our listeners, thanks for all of your support this year. We couldn't have done it without you. We launched the podcast just about a year ago, and we're not slowing down. We'll talk to you next time on Integration Redesign. You've been listening to Integration Redesigned. To learn more about how DigiB can help your team connect and integrate systems at scale, visit digib.com. Thanks for listening.